Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Friday, September 11th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics, and on Instagram at Beantown Athletics. Swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And when you swing by the shop or call them, make sure you tell them that I sent you. And also, bring your skates here because I know the hockey rinks here in New England are opening up soon, really all over the place. The hockey season is right around the corner, and this is the best skate shopping shop in the area, in New England. So make sure you bring your skates to get them shopping for the upcoming hockey season at Beantown Athletics. Now, uh, beginning the show today, beginning the day today, you can't possibly begin the day today without remembering those who lost their lives 14 years ago in the 9-11 terrorist attacks. I mean, I cannot believe it's already been 14 years. And, of course, a moment in time that we will never forget uh, we'll never forget anybody that was affected by these terrorist attacks. We'll certainly never forget the heroes that were the emergency responders and, of course, those who were brave enough to defend this country, both on the homeland and overseas. Uh, to them, I just want to say, take this time out and say thank you. But uh, 14 years ago today, it is crazy to think it's already been 14 years, but certainly uh, a day that we will never forget in this country, that is for sure. So always a tough transition uh, to go from that and that thought and that memory uh, to sports. But when you think about it, you know, 14 years ago when when that terrorist attack happened, you know, we we use sports to heal, and uh, I I I think that was important. I I think sports were important. I think the NFL was important at that time. I think Major League Baseball was important to us at that time. You know, we needed something. Uh, to, 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 you know, we obviously were rallying together as a country, but we, you know, you needed something else. And sports was a, was a great way to get everybody together, to bring the country together and, and uh, to help us heal from that terrible attack on September 11th, uh, 14 years ago. And, you know, I, I, I sit here every day and, and the first thing I do is, you know, I, I jot down a couple notes, but I always, I always type out at the top of my notes, the Danny Picard show. Friday, you know, and I give the date, you know, the day and then the month and the day of the month and the year. It's just something that I do, something that I write out. And today when I write out September 11th, uh, you stop what you're doing. You know, you stop writing things down. You, you, you stop thinking about, you know, what what I was going to come on this show and talk about, what I am going to talk about on this show. Um, because much like we use sports uh, to heal 14 years ago, Certainly, when you jot down on a piece of paper or you look at a screen today or you look up at TV or you just think about the fact that today is September 11th, um, you know, you do stop and you, you, you remember how you felt. You'll never forget how you felt on that day. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a memory. And uh, as you know, we, we will always remember everybody that lost their lives and anybody that was affected, um, you know, on this day in this terrible tragedy. But also, you know, 
we, we use sports to heal. And, and that was important then. And certainly 14 years later, it is important now. So always a tough transition to go from that uh, to a game. But, but you know, that's, that's what we do. And um, that's what I'm going to do right now. So let's talk about some football, shall we? Uh, but, you know, before I end today's show and the week, again, five days a week, DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Uh, anywhere you get a podcast, you get this show. Before I end today's show and the week, I'll give you my NFL season predictions. And like every Friday for the rest of the NFL season, I will give you picks, picks. That's right, picks, picks. And if you're listening going, what the hell is picks, picks? Well, first of all, you're listening to the Danny Picard Show. My name is Danny Picard. My nickname growing up always was Pick, P-I-C. It was a nickname that an old hockey coach gave me way back, and it just stuck. And uh, so I go with picks, picks. I give you every Friday at the end of every show five NFL games with the spread. Not necessarily the team that's going to win that game, but the team that's going to win with the spread, the team that's going to cover. I pick five games out of all the games. I never do the Thursday night game, even though last night I told you to take the Patriots as a seven-point favorite. Um, you would not have won any money last night. You would not have lost, but you would not have won. The Patriots won 28-21. The Steelers got a late touchdown, and if you listen to the game, Al Michaels, he'll let you know. Whenever there's something going on that's related to the gambling world and the over-under of the spread, Al Michaels is going to let you know. Now, I don't know what way he might have went on this bet, whether he was going to lose money and that saved him or whether he was going to win money and that lost him. I I don't know which way he was leaning towards, but he'll always hint around it and let you know. And that's what he did last night. And clearly that last touchdown with the extra point affected the spread. Uh, What also affected the spread was the fact that, and really the game and the result of the game was the fact that Pittsburgh's kicker missed two field goals. But I'll get to that game in just a second. Before I close it out, though, I just want to let you know, I will give my picks, 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 week one, five NFL games with the spread, Every Friday, I never do the Thursday night game. I'll always do it on Friday for the Sunday night games and the Monday night game. Now, this week, we got two Monday night games. But um, for the Sunday games and the Monday night game, that's what Picks Picks will be every Friday. And I'll give them at the end of this show to go along with my NFL season predictions, which is division winners, which is playoff playoff games. I got I go deep into this wild card round, divisional round, conference championships, Super Bowl winner. I give you I'm gonna give you Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl Fifty MVP before this show is all said and done. So make sure you stick around uh, because I'm gonna open up here with last night's game. The season kicks off. The Patriots raised the banner. Now they get they gave us a picture of the banner that was gonna be revealed. Had Brady been suspended for this game last night? And it was the number 12, you know, and it says on top, four-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Super Bowl MVP. You know, people joked, well, it almost would have been good to see Brady suspended uh, to see the reaction to that banner being revealed. And at the time, you're entertaining the idea how cool that would be for the Patriots to have done that. But when you watch this game play out, you think to yourself, at least I did, nah, you know what? It's a lot cooler to lift the championship banner from last year and to have Tom Brady playing in this game, to have Tom Brady with that look in his eye. I mean, they raised this banner. The team was in the tunnel under the inflatable Patriot head, right? Pat the Patriot head. 
And I, they're in the tunnel. I don't even think Brady looked at the fucking Vanna the whole time. And he had this killer instinct, this look in his eye. And you know what I hate? I hate the people that, that, that don't follow this team all the time. And they'll, put, they'll, they'll talk about how, oh, in warm-ups, did you hear what Brady, what song Brady came out to? Oh, he came out to that Jay-Z song. I mean, well, no, that's not new, okay? He, he's been coming out to that for years in warm-ups. That's Tom Brady's song. Uh, they say, oh, he runs out of the tunnel and he runs all the way down the other end of the field. He does that all the time. So, um, you know, nothing really was new for Brady. I mean, business as usual and the killer instinct, that look in his eye before a game, he runs out, you're saying to yourself, that's a bad man right there. And, and that's exactly what Tom Brady did last night. 25 of 32, 288 yards passing, four touchdowns, no interceptions, he was sacked twice for a total loss of seven yards. I'll get to the offensive line in a few minutes. But, you know, we live in this fantasy football world where everybody's obsessed with monster stats and, um, you know, the big numbers. And at the end of a game, that's really, you know, it's the first thing you look for. But you're watching this game last night. You see Tom Brady just, you know, he was locked in last night. And it was special to see. And the Patriots win it 28-21. to You get Rob Gronkowski. With three touchdown receptions, uh, Scott Chandler had the other. So four, all the Patriots four touchdowns, all of them to tight ends. And I mean, at one point they ran a, a couple times, you know, four tight end sets. You know, how difficult is that to cover if you're a defense? It's pretty damn difficult, as you saw. And but at the same time, what are the Steelers doing, leaving Gronk wide open? Up the seam, up the middle. What are they doing? How, what, what was that? You know, that is, you want to talk about a big-time mistake. I mean, you got to put, I know that if you put someone on Gronk, he might not be able to cover Gronk, but you at least need to put somebody on him. That's, that's a major, major mistake and a failure on the part of the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. And uh, Brady dominated, Gronk dominated, got to spike the ball three times. Julian Edelman, 11 catches for 97 yards, and he was talking a whole lot of trash early on in this game, and you know what he's saying. I mean, he has a right to. They raised the banner. It's the first game since the last Super Bowl, first meaningful game since the last Super Bowl because the preseason games, I'm not going to count those. First meaningful game since the Super Bowl last year. Edelman who had a tremendous game in the Super Bowl. He's running around catching balls early in this one last night going, yeah, you see me? You see me on NFL Network? You see me on NFL Films? You hear me mic'd up? That shit's real. I got, I can do this now, okay? I got a right to do this, to rub it in your face when I catch a football, okay? I'm Julian Edelman. I used to be a fucking quarterback, all right? I played defense a couple years ago, all right? And now you can't stop me, all right? That's exactly what he's saying. And I loved every second of it. A great game from Edelman. Dion Lewis sort of emerged as the... The top running back, he fumbled late. He didn't lose it. You saw that fumble coming, didn't you? He's running up the right side, and you got four guys coming at him, two from behind, one from the side, one from in front of him. And I actually yelled, hold on to the football, and he didn't do it. Now, the Patriots got the ball back, uh, so it was fine. But, you know, right after that, the, the Patriots just cold-blooded. Belichick's just a cold-blooded killer. I mean, he is, he is just, it doesn't, you fumble the ball, you're not going to hold on? All right, you're going to go to the bench. 
And all of a sudden, Brandon Bolden's getting carries after that. But, okay, Deion Lewis, it looks like he's going to be that guy. The athleticism that he showed was was pretty special. 69 yards on 15 carries for Deion Lewis. 51 yards on four catches. Uh, So they were also throwing him the ball last night. And, uh, you know, we had this question. Who was going to be the top Patriots running back? Who was going to be the Pats running back? Nobody really knew. Uh, You know, you had your options. I mean, you don't have Vereen. You don't have Ridley. You just cut Jonas Gray. You got some injuries there, too, as well. Uh, Would it be White? Would it be would it be Bolden? It was Lewis. So Deion Lewis looks like he's going to be that guy. Now I, I, at least I say that now. That could change during the week. I mean, the game plan team that the Patriots are, they could go into Buffalo next week, and they could say we're going to go with Bolden. I mean, they could do that, and it might have nothing to do with the fumble at the end of this game last night. Honestly, I don't think it necessarily has to do with that. But you know, that's that. In a nutshell, it, those are the fantasy numbers for the Patriots offense in their 28-21 win over the Steelers. But what you won't see when you look at fantasy numbers today, what you won't see is the production of this offensive line that right before the game, you know, we all saw Ryan Wendell was inactive. So you don't have Stork, who's been placed uh, on injured reserve, and and the type of injured reserve where he can be pulled off of that, I believe week eight, week nine, around there, if he's healthy enough. So it, it's not long-term, um, but it's at least up until week eight, week nine, right? He's, you know, he's Stork's not around, and he was a major part to this offensive line, stepping into that center position, coming out of Florida State last year. Uh, you know, he was drafted by the Patriots. He stepped in, and he played a big role. And he was certainly part of helping this offense turn things around after that debacle in Kansas City in week four. You know, Stork absolutely was a major part of that. So you don't have Stork. Dan Conley had retired, right? You're banged up. You're not going to have Wendell. And at least I'm seeing that news going, "Uh uh-oh, you know, we got some problems here. There's going to be some problems. There are going to be problems. Because you're putting a 23-year-old undrafted rookie free agent into that center spot. The kid's name is David Andrews out of Georgia. Again, 23-year-old, undrafted, rookie, free agent, center, David Andrews. And, you know, I don't think I need to remind you of this, but the only guy in the football game that touches the ball as much as Tom Brady is the center. And... That's a pretty big spot. If you're David Andrews, man, before the game, you saw the picture of Brady's got his helmet off. He just runs out of the tunnel. They just lift the championship banner. The crowd's going nuts. People are chanting, where is Roger? Because Goodell's nowhere to be found, right? The place is going berserk. You're an undrafted rookie free agent that now is being asked to handle the football just as much as the reigning Super Bowl MVP in this game in which Brady's suspension has been lifted and he's able to play and it's national TV, you're kicking off the season on NBC, you're being asked to control the football as much as Tom Brady as an undrafted rookie free agent center? Like, are you kidding me? How important of a role is that? I mean, 
I know it's not sexy with fantasy numbers and everything, but what David Andrews was able to do last night, just being part of that offensive line, that was able to look. I did not think the offensive line was going to look that good last night. I, I, I mean, if you would ask me to put money on how many times Brady would be sacked, given the Wendell news right before the game, I'd say Brady's going to get sacked about five, six times tonight. And it wasn't. He got sacked twice uh, for a loss of seven yards. That's it. And Brady got, you know, there was one time safety blitz. He got hit really hard, okay? Uh, but I honestly, think about this game last night. And think about the names that were on that Patriots offensive line. The youth, the inexperience, on the interior. An undrafted rookie free agent center. All right? And you come away from that game, and Brady took maybe one big hit, possibly a second, gets sacked twice, 25 for 32, 288 yards, four touchdowns, not one interception, and you walk away from that game with a 28-21 to 21 win. Man you got to be feeling pretty good about yourself if you're the New England Patriots because you're looking at this thing going, not only did we just beat it. Sure, Pittsburgh was banged up. They didn't have they didn't have their center in Pouncey. They also, they, their top running back, right? Le'Veon Bell suspended. Um, the Steelers are going to improve. The Steelers are going to be a very good football team. And when Antonio Brown leaves that game last night and he's yelling to Patriots fans, hey, we're going to see you guys again. And maybe I'm teasing my season predictions, which I'm going to give you at the end of this show. I think Antonio Brown's right. I think the Steelers, I, I think they're going to be very good this year. And what you saw last night is not their best. But at the same time, what you saw from the Patriots last night, that is not their best either. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not their best. Now, I've also told you the Patriots are going to, this was before last night's game. I said Patriots are going to now go to week two in Buffalo and they're going to lose to the, to the Bills. I don't necessarily think, though, I don't necessarily think that that prediction portrays what the Patriots actually are. I I don't think it does. I think that what that prediction portrays is how difficult these divisional games sometimes are, especially when you're playing one on the road, especially when you're playing one on the road with a defense as good as Buffalo's this early in the season. You've got to go into each season, in my opinion, even as a, you know, as a diehard Patriots fan, if you want to look at this thing realistically, look, the Patriots are not going to go undefeated this year. I'd love to see them go undefeated. I know, I know I wrote that, but that's not going to, that's an unrealistic expectation, okay? It is. You have to, you have to basically put aside a couple losses, and if you're going to do that, you got to think that you play, you know, you split games with each team in this division. This division got better, by the way. Buffalo got better. Miami got better. The Jets... Eh, I, some of the pieces that they added, I guess you could say they improved. And you might even say the fact that Geno Smith got his, got his jaw broken in training camp in the locker room, that maybe that improved the Jets team as well, right? So I, I think every team in the division improved. Not to the point where I think they're going to win the division. I told you yesterday, I think the Patriots are going to go 12-4 and win the division. But when you tell me what four of those games the Patriots are going to lose... I think that you have to at least say one of the divisional games on the road, they can, they can be beat. Not because I think that team ultimately will be better than the Patriots, but I think given the circumstances, going into Buffalo, which I think will be one of the best defenses in the league this year, early in the season, still with some issues that you have, as good as the offensive line was last night, or at least as, 
I should say, is unexpectedly good. I didn't expect the offensive line to be that good last night, but they were. Um, you know, you Patriots got you, you still got some issues here, okay? Um, I think that Buffalo could they could in Buffalo they could squeeze out some type of seventeen fourteen win, couldn't they? With a couple big field goals, right? I, I don't think that's crazy. So that could change going into week two. But for the most part, looking at the big picture, New England Patriots, what you saw last night in a 28-21 win, sure, Steelers weren't at their best, but you know what? Neither were the Patriots. Steelers are going to improve, but so is New England. Patriots are going to improve too. And the longer you keep this offensive line together, I mean, that's a great sign to get what you got from them last night in the first game. Because last year, the offensive line... Until Stork really went in there and, and solidified things, and you got people to move into their regular guard positions, you had some major issues. But I, I'll always stick to my guns on this. You can fix the offensive line as long as the personnel you have can remain consistent. I believe that. So it's great to see this group right away having that much success as much as they had last night, and they're only going to get better. Don't. So, uh, and at all phases of the game, the Patriots are only going to get better. Defensively for the Pats last night, you're looking at this thing, at least I am, going, all right, what's Malcolm Butler going to do? He was covering Antonio Brown all night. Now, let's give Antonio Brown credit where credit's due. He's one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. Antonio Brown finished last night's game with nine receptions, 133 yards, and a TD. He gets that TD very late, and you're thinking, uh, wow, I, you know, I'm not going to cover anymore. Okay, but but that's about it. I don't think that the 133 yards receiving and the nine receptions tells the whole story as to what Malcolm Butler did last night. I thought Malcolm Butler, for at least four or five of these receptions, was all over Antonio Brown. All over him. Like glue. I, I, I actually think that that Malcolm Butler... I think Malcolm Butler was damn good last night. And this might sound crazy to you, given the fact that you wake up today, you look at the box score, you look at Antonio Brown's numbers, and you're going 133 yards receiving on nine receptions and a TD targeted 11 times. You're telling me that Malcolm Butler covered him all night and you're saying that's a good night for Malcolm Butler? I know that might sound crazy, but if you watch the game, let's give credit where credit's due. Antonio Brown came down with some phenomenal catches. And on top of that... Ben Roethlisberger, I thought, I thought was awesome last night. I thought Ben Roethlisberger, early on in this game, Pittsburgh got a, I mean, they're trying to go for the, they were trying to go all Patriots on the Patriots. They were trying to go for the double pass, the, the wide receiver throwing a, throwing a touchdown. What was that? They were clicking, they were moving the chains, and then they go to that. That is a, that is a terrible play call. I don't know what they were thinking with that play, but Ben Roethlisberger put a couple passes on the money, dropped them in down the right sideline into into spots that a lot of quarterbacks in this league could have made that throw. And a couple of those were to Antonio Brown. Let's give some credit where credit's due. Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, those two connected on some on some plays that not not a lot of duos in the National Football League could connect on. And uh, I, I think you need to take that into consideration more than just looking at the box score, seeing that Antonio Brown had 133 yards receiving and, and, and saying that Malcolm Butler's night was a failure. It wasn't. It wasn't. Look, the kid's going to learn, okay? 
the kid is now going up against the top dogs on every team's, uh, every other team, every single week. And, and he's going to have a different challenge every single week. And it's going to be a lot tougher than what he was doing last year. It is. The responsibility is greater. Um, you know, everything that he does, he needs to be better than he was last year. Everything. And, and that's a whole lot to ask for. But given the fact that that's how much we're asking from him, even with the numbers that Antonio Brown pulled in last night, I thought Malcolm Butler, I, I think he should walk away from that. And I, I, I think we should acknowledge the fight that he put up. And, and look, this is important because we heard Bill Belichick on NFL Network on that feature the other night. Do your job. Bill Belichick and the 2014 New England Patriots. We heard from him. He said that Kansas City game last year, he said, you know what? We went into halftime. We were getting beat up. This game wasn't about X's and O's. This game was about let's go out and keep fighting. And even though the Patriots, things didn't go their way even in the second half when they did fight, Belichick said he liked the way they fought. Even though the results were not there, he liked the way they fought. And when I hear him say that, and he says, I think we got something special, I'm telling you right now, I think Belichick walks away from that game last night, and I think he looks at the job Malcolm Butler did. I think he looks at the fight, not the results, the fight that Malcolm Butler put up, and I think he, he, look, he already obviously looks at Malcolm Butler and thinks he's a special player. But I think he might think it even more now. Not the results, the fight. That he's got something special. At least confirming to him that he does. And guess what? Like, like I just said, all the things that are going to improve between New England and Pittsburgh, Malcolm Butler for New England, he's only going to improve this season as well. He is. So, nice job, I thought. And we'll keep an eye on that and the way the Patriots will handle their secondary and their defense uh, with this Patriots win, though, you know, if you want to get into, you know, things that that should have happened that didn't, well, if the shoe, I'm trying to think, if the shoe was on the other foot and and the Steelers won 28-21 and Steven Guskowski missed two field goals in early in this game, that is the opener. That's the open today. If the open is Guskowski missed two kicks, that can't happen. Because last night, Josh Scobie, he missed two, two field goals early on. And you got to think to yourself, as the Steelers drove down the field late in this game, as they drove down the field late in this game, and as they trailed 28-14, to 14, and the Patriots punted with four minutes left, okay? Patriots punt with four minutes left. Steelers get the ball. They get the ball at their own 30. Right? Trailing 28-14. You're thinking to yourself, if Scobie hit those two field goals, the score of this game is 28-20. And this is now a one-possession ball game. And obviously, as we saw, Pittsburgh scored. Now they kicked the field goal. Right? The the 32-yard, 33-yard field goal. Uh, I should call it extra point. The 33-yard extra point. I'm still trying to get used to that. I'm going to be interested to see how many teams actually start going for two instead of kicking that now. Because that's no gimme. That's no layup anymore. I know it's down the middle. That's no layup anymore, though. It's not. And um, But but you got to think of it. If Scobie didn't miss those two kicks, this is a 28-20 to 20 game as the Steelers get the ball back with, with what, four minutes left? At their own 30? 
I mean, that's that's a if that was the case, that's a game you tie up, you go into overtime. It is now, obviously. Um, we saw what happened, and they scored, and it ended up not mattering. Here's my argument to the whole. Yeah, you know, I'll play devil's advocate, and actually, not just devil's advocate, but I actually feel this way, and I said it at the time. You know, as people tweeted or, or the people that I watched the game with, they said, "Hey, look, if Scoby hits those kicks, this is a one possession game." The Steelers get the ball back. I say, well, you know what? At the same time, if Scobie had hit those kicks and it was a 28-20 game, the Patriots, yeah, they punted with four minutes left, right? But at the same time, you look at that, that, that last series, the last possession the Patriots had before the Steelers' final touchdown, third and four. Incomplete to Lewis before that second and seven. They ran it with Lewis up the middle before before that first and ten. They ran it with Bolden up the middle. They were trying to run the clock out. I think the strategy for the Patriots might have been a little different in that previous possession if it was only a 28-20 to game. I do. And so, now, would they have gotten the first down or kept the ball and scored? Who knows? We have no idea. But I do think the Patriots' offensive mindset would have been a little bit more aggressive, right? Had they had had that been a twenty eight twenty game and not twenty eight fourteen, but Scoby missed the kicks. Steelers last touchdown only made it twenty eight twenty one, and that's the way the game ended. The Patriots win twenty eight twenty one. And uh, hey, I just opened with football. I mean, I opened this show telling you what what it is, what happened. Here's what it means. Here's what I see from both of these teams moving forward in this NFL season. Uh, what you're now going to hear from a lot of other people, nationally, locally, is this talk about the fucking headsets, okay? (laughs) This talk about the fucking headsets. Are we going to do this? Hey, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? Like, are you sure? Mike Tomlin, are you sure you want to do this? Mike Tomlin, he did it. Now, look, if I'm, again, if the shoe is on the other foot and the Steelers beat the Patriots 28-21 and Guskowski makes two field goals, what I would hope Belichick would do in the post-game press conference is if he's going to blame it on anything, which, which he might not specifically to the media, but if he was, I would hope that he'd blame it, you know, on a lack of execution rather than what was going on in his coach's headsets during the first half. That's what Pittsburgh should be upset about. They should be upset with the fact that on their final drive, it was a two-possession game, not a one-possession game. That's what they should be upset with. Now, in fairness to Mike Tomlin, post-game press conference, he did open up by talking about a lack of execution. And in fairness to Mike Tomlin, he was asked about the headset issue. And in case y'all living on a whole nother planet, let me tell you about the headset issue. They reported it during the game. They talked about it during the game. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth on NBC. First half of this game, apparently, the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff on the sideline, uh, their headsets, the communication from coach to coach, not coach to player, coach to coach. That's important to stress, which means that the coaches could still communicate with the player. Uh, with the green dot, right, on his helmet. What's important to stress is that coach to coach, there was something going on in the headsets. And that something was the coaches were hearing 
the the radio broadcast for the New England Patriots, which is, by the way, 98.5 the Sports Hub. They were hearing Scott Zolak in the, give analysis from the field in the headset. I mean, you, you, you can't make this shit up, folks. You can't make it up. Now, as it turns out, this happened in the first half, and Mike Tomlin, he basically confirmed it after the game when he was asked about it. And I'll play that audio for you in just a second. But also, we should acknowledge the Patriots. Bill Belichick acknowledged it after the game as well by saying the same shit was happening to him. Not just in the first half, but also in the second half, right? And he talks about how they got the iPads going. They got all the wireless stuff. You know, they had an issue with Brady's helmet at the end of the game. And, and, and what was going on, they almost had to switch helmets. So Belichick says that that stuff was happening to the Patriots too, okay? Now. The NFL has acknowledged this issue. And the NFL has acknowledged it in a way in which they're almost taking the blame. Now, according to a report from Yahoo, the Steelers are going to file a complaint on this. Okay? And the NFL, as I mentioned, they've already said that the, they've, they've said that the league, the NFL controls the headsets on the sideline. And if you read the NFL's website, you know, they're pretty clear. You go to operations.nfl.com. Here's the, le- here's, here's the story. It says, NFL game day frequency coordinators keeping the lines of communication clear on game day. And the first paragraph says this. Southwest Airlines pilots conversations, a rehearsal for a concert by Madonna, and a food concession worker's request for more popcorn all have one thing in common. Each has interfered with the frequency that delivers a coach's play calls to his quarterback. So the NFL, in that opening paragraph of this NFL operations website, when they're explaining the sideline communications in the headsets, they are coming out right away and they are admitting, hey, this stuff has all happened. The, the, the headsets, the communication, the wireless, the, the Microsoft Surface Pro 2 tablets that we use, the Wi-Fi... I mean, the cameras, that they say the cameras in the end zone pylons, local TV stations, national TV stations, radio stations, all that stuff. All that stuff in, can interfere to, at a point where sometimes in your, in your headsets on the sideline, you can get some crazy things going on. And last night, the crazy thing in the Pittsburgh Steelers helmet, excuse me, in the Pittsburgh Steelers headsets on the sideline, the coaches, was that they were getting, they were listening to the Patriots' local radio feed, right? You can't make it up. So the NFL's basically taking responsibility. Now, the NFL has also said they're going to have a thorough review, whatever that means. Let's just hope that it's not any type of investigation that leads to another Wells report. Let's hope it doesn't end up with that, because if I have to listen to any type of headset gate or radio gate, um... This season, I'm going to lose my fucking mind, all right? And I think a lot of people are going to lose their fucking minds. And I tweeted last night. I said, let, please, don't let, let's not make this a big deal, all right? It was a great night for the Patriots. It was a great one for the Patriots. And, you know, it's unfortunate Roger Goodell couldn't be there to see it, <laughs> right? Too much of a fucking coward to show up, okay? Yeah, I said it. He's a coward. Of course he's a coward. He put them through this and he's not going to show up? Uh, it's foolish. I mean, he doesn't have to sit in the stands either. 
Hey, go up to a suite, take an elevator, get a... I mean, what do you, what does he think's gonna happen to him? Come on, show up, Roger. He didn't have the balls to do it. It's a pussy. So, um, forget about that for a second, right? You get this game last night, Patriots win, Steelers make terrible mistakes, they don't cover Gronk, they miss two field goals, they should be blaming it on execution. Instead, Mike Tomlin, and I'll, again, I'll give him credit, asked, your credit credit's due, he was asked about it, but he still answered it in a way that, you know, sounds like sour grapes. Here is Mike Tomlin last night after the game. Like it was an ESPN report that your radio went out, your communication. The- That's always the case. Here? Yes. Well, you're saying that every time you play here, you have radio. I said problems. what I said. Like what exactly? What what exactly happened? You just didn't have any communication. We were listening it- to the Patriots radio broadcast for the majority of the first half on our headsets. Coach to coach or the coach to quarterback? Coach to coach. Coach to coach. Mike, you talked about the sub packages and the injury and the, some of the miscommunications. Just the fact that there are miscommunications in, in a regular season game, how frustrating is that for you? It's not. Uh, it's part of it. Um, hopefully we'll be better and, and, and be better really soon. Um, I like the effort of the guys tonight. Uh, we played a good team tonight. Uh, they executed at a high level. They changed the pace. They got continuity in veteran players. We understand that. we got to continue to grow. Like, is there anything you can do when that happens? Do you alert the officials? Do they shut down their headphones? I mean, what are you? We, we, we let we let the league officials on site handle it. Is what we did. Did you get satisfaction? Eventually. All right. So there you go, uh, Mike Tomlin. Eventually, they got a fix. Apparently, this was just a first half issue. So, look. Here, and I tweeted something last night. I tweeted that. I tweeted that. You know, if you think stuff in the coaches' headsets doesn't happen to the Patriots on the road, you're nuts. It does happen on the road to the Patriots, okay? It's happened. I guarantee you it happens on the road to the Patriots. But the reason you don't hear about it is because the, it happens to the Patriots and they still win the game, okay? They are able to manage it and figure it out because this these are... These miscommunications, these issues with the headsets, these problems that that the, the Steelers claim they have at Gillette all the time, the Patriots have them too. You don't hear about it because they practice for this stuff. They prepare for this stuff. Belichick said just as much today, by the way, said just as much today, by the way, when he was asked about it by the media. Belichick sort of... I don't want to say lost his mind today when asked about it. I don't want to say lost his mind. But he basically defended not only this team, but the previous teams based on all this bullshit with Spygate that's coming back and Deflategate previously. He, he, he had, Belichick had something to say today. And I'm reading this from Mike Reese, ESPN Boston, and his tweet. Belichick was asked a question about the headset communication issue. Here's Belichick's quote says, I'll just say it's pretty common. You know, look, there's a lot of stuff down there. There is the coach to quarterback stuff, offense and defense. There is the headsets to the press box. There are the tablets. There is a lot of stuff going on there. You know, we had some problems too. Just as an example, we had some problems in the first half, and then it seemed to be okay. 
Then we got to the end of the game, and most of the problems we had were on our last possession. Our last two possessions on offense and defense. Sometimes it goes along, and it's fine. And then for some reason, something happens, and then you go to the guys on the sideline, the blue hats or the purple hats, whatever they're called, and then you tell them about it. They fix it. I don't really know enough about technology to know how any of that works, but that's how it goes. You know, we ended up hardwiring a couple of our headsets to kind of eliminate the wireless part of it. But, you know, it's not an uncommon problem. We ended up having to signal some of our plays offensively when we couldn't get them in. I think we look at it as something you have to be ready for every week and practice it. So, home, away, I don't really think there is any common denominator on that. Belichick continues. But I just say, you know, kind of tying this in with a couple of things from last week or earlier in the week, I just think overall it's kind of sad, really, to see some of the stories written that obviously have an agenda to them with misinformation and anonymous-type comments. You know, writing about warm drinks and trash cans and stuff like that. I think it's a sad commentary, and I think it's gone to a pretty low level. I think it's sunk pretty deep. Belichick continues today. First of all, I just say I think our program here is built on competition and trying to improve every day and trying to work hard. It's not built on excuses. We just try to go to work and improve and find a way to get better. This organization has won a lot of games, particularly in reference to the great teams from 01, 03, 04, back in there, and all the great players that played on those teams. Ty Law, Loya Malloy, Otis Smith, Rodney Harrison, Teddy Bruschi, Larry Izzo, Willie McGinnis, Mike Vrabel, Anthony Pleasant, Richard Seymour, Matt Light, Joe Andrusi, Stephen Neal, Dion Branch, Troy Brown, Tom Brady, Antoine Smith, Kevin Falk, Corey Dillon, Lonnie Paxton, Adam Vinatieri, to take away from what those guys accomplished, what those teams accomplished, how good they were, how many great players we had, how well they played in big games, how consistently they showed up and made big plays and game-winning plays, it's just not right. Those guys, they were great players, and many more. Those are a few of them, and great teams. I'm not going to get into a back-and-forth on it, but that's the way I feel about it. End quote. Wow. Bill Belichick. Bill motherfucking Belichick stepping up to the plate fastball down the middle and he puts it in the seats I mean Belichick before all this stuff deflategate hadn't opened up too much to us huh he's been opening up and it just goes to show he only opens up when he's pissed off about something he was pissed off about deflategate he's pissed off about the now all this spygate stuff that's coming up again and certainly now that the communication issue last night is sort of getting the Patriots back in the headlines with regards to Spygate and people accusing him of being cheaters. He needed to come out, step up to the plate and say, listen, this is something that as an organization, we actually practice if things go wrong when we're on the road or at home and the communication, something happens with the headsets. Here's the difference between us and everybody else. 
We practice when those things go wrong. We're prepared for it. So when that happens, you're never going to hear about it because we're not going to complain to Michelle Tafoya on the sideline about it, right? What we're going to do instead is we're going to start using our preparation and our backup plan for when shit hits the fan because we have a backup plan for that. Something it seemed like last night the Steelers didn't. Even though, as Mike Tomlin points out, this is something that happens when he comes to Gillette every time. Right? Right? Um, the Patriots, and this goes back to what Richard Sherman said the other day. When Richard, yes, Richard Sherman, Seattle Seahawks, go back. And I, I read the quotes from me yesterday. I don't have the exact quotes in front of me, but I'll paraphrase it for you right here what he said. Richard Sherman, Seahawks cornerback, guy who talks a whole lot of trash. He defended, by the way, guy who lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl last year. Richard Sherman, okay, Richard Sherman defended Tom Brady. Sherman defended Tom Brady. And what he said was, everyone's talking about Spygate and stealing signals, this, that. Bottom line is this. When you study this game as a team, you're studying plays. You're studying formations. You're studying the other teams and the things that they do because you're trying to figure out what's coming at you. You need to be ready for what's coming at you during a game. And sometimes you see certain things and you know what play is going to happen based on the formation. That happens. That's what you try to do as a football team when you prepare. Now, the biggest question is, you might know what's coming your way. Do you have the players on your team on that field to be able to execute? Did you prepare well enough to put the players in a position to execute? One. And two, if you did prepare, are the players able to pull off the execution? That'll be good enough to get your team a win. Richard Sherman said this. And that's important because he's fucking right. Okay? And what Bill Belichick's saying today is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. All this shit about Spygate and what happens when teams come to Gillette and the paranoia, they think we're cheating and what? Listen, this stuff is, ha- this stuff is going on everywhere. So we prepare for it. We're ready for it. We execute. We had players that stepped up and made the plays after the preparation, in the big games, in the big moments. You shouldn't take that away from them. Because other teams have done the same thing to us and have been in the same situations, and they don't either A, have the preparation, or they don't have the players to execute after that preparation. And we did. And that's something you can't take away. And this whole headset issue, you know, I get a million people last night tweeting to me like, Oh, the NFL, the NFL handles the headsets. Okay, I get that. I understand the NFL handles the headsets. I get it. I, I, but, but one thing I don't want to do here is I don't want to make it sound like, look, I, the Patriots, I, we've heard that they, they have done things to the headsets. Just because the NFL does some of the headsets doesn't mean that the home team, forget about Patriots for a minute. Let's just say the home team in the NFL. Just because the NFL controls all that technology stuff doesn't mean an NFL team in their own building can't do something with the frequencies or whatever to mess with that and to mess with the other team. It it can happen. And you know what? It does happen. More than you think. That was the point of one of my tweets last night. Forget about Patriots for a minute. Let's just say home teams in the NFL. That stuff happens. You get that, you know, that stuff goes down. And my biggest biggest thing with with the Flakegate, is that, you know, my mindset right away was that, my mindset is, 
And just as I played you the Trent Dilfer audio from Super Bowl pregame the other day, my biggest takeaway is, and my mindset was, teams in the NFL, every team, every coaching staff, every organization, they are doing things constantly to stretch the boundaries of the rules. They are. They're doing things to stretch the boundaries of the rules. And when I first heard of the Flakegate, you know, my mindset wasn't, oh, Brady didn't do anything. Oh, oh, the Patriots didn't do anything. My mindset was, they probably did, but it's something that everybody does because everybody in the NFL is doing things to stretch the boundaries of the rules, right? That's my mindset. You know, that's just my mindset. So when I heard that, the communications last night and the Steelers' headsets were going crazy, you know, I wasn't thinking to myself, well, the NFL controls the headset, so it must be an NFL problem. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe the Patriots did do something to the headsets. But guess what? When the Patriots go to another building, that same shit's happening to them. So I don't care. Do shit to the headset. Put 98.5 the sports hub in the Steelers' coach's headset. What the fuck do I care? Because... You know, you want fair play? Fair play is the Patriots go to other buildings, and this shit is probably happening to them too. You know why you don't hear about it? You know, people get into, oh, the NFL handles it. It can't. Look, things can things have been done to the headsets, even though the NFL. I mean, how naive are you gonna be? It happens. But don't be. Don't call the Patriots cheaters. Everybody is doing something to get a competitive edge. All this stuff about being in Gillette and the warm, the warm drinks, sports drinks that teams get, or the suspicion that people are going through the trash cans, or, you know, again, the signals, stealing signals. Holy shit. I, this, I'm not sitting here trying to defend anybody saying, oh, they didn't do it. I'm sitting here trying to say it happens everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? So, so my point is this. The Patriots have been in other buildings. They've been in other stadiums. Bill Belichick. They'll be in Buffalo next week. I would almost guarantee that at some point during that game, something's going to happen to their headset. And if you wanted me to put money on it, even though the NFL controls the frequencies and, and controls the communication stuff on the sideline, somebody in Buffalo is going to do something to mess with the Patriots' headsets. Okay? That's just my opinion. And when it happens, we're not going to hear about it. I'm just using next week as an example to the bigger picture, which is the communication in the Patriots' headsets on the road. I can guarantee you that most of the time they have issues. And I can guarantee you that when they do have issues, it's not just a random NFL fuck-up because of frequencies. It's somebody that's doing something to get some type of advantage on the road team, at least in my head. And what I have always, even before Deflategate, even before Spygate, what I've always thought was, that stuff happens. And actually, you always hear people talk about it before, right? And nobody was this sensitive about it. People say, oh, the headsets are messing up. A little home field advantage. little gamesmanship. Now it's like it happens and it's, oh, cheaters. What? Why? Because, because one team keeps winning? One team is more successful than the other team? You got to go out and make plays, man. You got to prepare for this shit. Mike Tomlin, this stuff happens to you at Gillette all the time, right? Why the fuck are you spending time complaining to Michelle Tafoya when you should have a backup plan? You didn't have a backup plan for this? Something that happens all the time? And by the way, to Mike Tomlin, doesn't just happen at Gillette, okay? Has happened to him in other places. But 
Right now, it's the sexy thing to blame the Patriots for something when it happens in their building, and it just so happened to happen last night. All right? Uh, we can't make a big deal out of the headset issue. We can't do it. You can't, you, you can't do it. It's stupid. It's something that, again, in my opinion, I don't want to get, I don't even want to get into, oh, the Patriots, the Patriots do this or they don't do it. I think everybody does it. I think it happens everywhere, every week, every week. And I think somebody is up to it in the home stadium, even though the NFL controls it. I do think everyone does it. And I think Belichick knows everybody does it to him. So he has no problem doing it. I just think everybody does this shit. That's, this is the, I feel like that's the NFL world that we live in. And I feel like just recently people started getting their panties in a bunch about it. They started getting sensitive about it. Why? Because they can't beat the Patriots. And when they do it to the Patriots, the Patriots beat them. That's why you never hear about it. And when the Patriots lose, they don't blame it on that. Even though it could have been a factor. Because why? The Patriots probably say to themselves, well, I mean, we we do it. Every, you know, everyone's doing it. It's not a big deal. Here's why we lost. We didn't execute. All right? We didn't execute. We prepared for it. We were ready. We had signals in the back. Afterwards, it happened to us on the road. And, you know, a couple guys dropped some balls. You know, we, we, we blow an assignment on the block in the offensive line. We get sacked. There's a fumble. There's an interception. Turnover. You know, you don't win the turnover battle. I don't care what's going on with your communication headset. You're not going to win in this game. I mean, that's the way Belichick thinks. And I think that's the way any coach in the NFL should think. But, you know, as the Patriots keep having success, what pisses people off, I think, too, is the Patriots, like last night, again, Dan Conley, offensive lineman, retires. Uh, Brian Stork, their center that turned things around on that offensive line last year, he's out on injured reserve. Right before the game, Ryan Wendell, he is inactive with an injury. And the Patriots rely on these young kids, on these new guys in the interior line, and their center is an undrafted rookie free agent. And the Patriots still got the job done. <laughs> I mean, I think that pisses people off. That whenever somebody, whenever the Patriots lose something, right? Whenever someone goes down, they lose Revis, they lose Browner, and you still can't beat the Patriots. That pisses people off. That the Patriots can remain so good when they lose so much talent. And they have turnover because they have this next man up philosophy. But the bottom line is, they're just coached up better than everybody else. And that also pisses other coaches off. Because it drives them crazy because they don't know what to do when they play the Patriots. So what are they going to do? Well, might as well blame it on something. And the sexy thing right now is to blame the Patriots for cheating, even though whether it's happening or not, I don't even want to get into that conversation. Bottom line is, the Steelers need to be prepared for it, much like Belichick told you today, he's prepared for it when it happens to him, which it does happen to him. Whoever's fault it may be, it happens everywhere. All right? The biggest difference last night was Belichick, and the Patriots, were, they were prepared for it. Maybe they knew it was coming. Maybe they didn't. But when Belichick's on the road, I guarantee you it's happened to him. You never heard about it? Well, because one, Belichick would never blame it on that. And two, most of the time when it does happen, Belichick still wins the game. Because he's prepared. 
So that's that's where I'm going with with radio gate, headset gate, and I'm moving on. And what I'm moving on to, okay, is my NFL season predictions. So what do you want to do first? You want NFL predictions or you want picks picks? But you know what? Let's go let's go NFL predictions first. Because I feel like I, I feel like that is that's the big thing. NFL predictions right now. So let's get to them. My 2015-16 NFL predictions beginning with division winners and then all the way to the Super Bowl. So in-depth even giving you your Super Bowl MVP. Oh, listen to the music. You like that? What a song. Should I should I do these season predictions as if I'm um, on ESPN, giving them to you. Let's get it done. I right, look, ESPN, they've done all the flakegate. You, you, when you do hear this music and they're giving highlights, whoever's giving the highlight, you still get jacked up about it, don't you? So let's get right to it. AFC East, I told you, Patriots are going to win the AFC East. Miami's a much improved team. Bills are an improved team. Bills got a great defense. Jets, someone improved. Jets will be last place. Patriots win the AFC East with a 12-4 and record, and they will be the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, the AFC North, I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I told you, look, Pittsburgh, they, they're dealing with some stuff. When they get Le'Veon Bell back, you know, and they get some other guys back, Pittsburgh's going to be good. And as Antonio Brown told the fans as he walked off the field last night, he said, we'll see you guys again. I agree with them, and I'll get to that in a bit. Pittsburgh is going to win the AFC North, uh, and they're going to be the fourth seed in the AFC. That's that's the way I see that division playing out. And, I mean, Cincy, Baltimore, Cleveland, I just don't see it. I know usually Cincinnati is a sexy pick. They went to the playoffs last year, so did Baltimore. But Pittsburgh wins the AFC North, and uh, I think that's the only AFC North team that gets into the playoffs. More on that in the bit. AFC South, I got to go with the Colts. Colts won it last year with 11 wins. I got to stick with them. I can't go with Houston. They don't have a quarterback. Uh, I can't go with Jacksonville. They had three wins last year. They're not going to make that leap. Tennessee, I'll be interested to see what Mariota does this season, but at the end of the day, it won't be good enough to go from 2-14 and 14 to 14-2, and two, which is what they probably have to go to to win the division. Indy wins the AFC South. AFC West. It's got to be Denver, right? I mean, who else would you pick? Who else would you pick to win this division? It's the Denver Broncos. And uh, I just don't think it's going to be close. Now, Kansas City, San Diego, you know, those teams might they might be around 9, 10 wins. Maybe that gets them in a wild card. More on that in just a moment. But your division winners here in the AFC, Patriots, Steelers, Colts, and Broncos. Right? Let's keep the music rolling. Wild card teams in the AFC. Miami and Kansas City. Miami's a team here that, you know, they they get into Dominican Sioux. I've liked Miami's defense here for a couple years. I'm a Tannehill guy. I know, I know. I like Tannehill. I think Miami's going to be pretty good. I think they, they do enough to just get into the tournament. Get a wild card. 
I'm going with the Dolphins to get one of the wild card. Kansas City, that's my next team. Jamal Charles, I look at the rest of the AFC. I, I, Alex Smith, I think he's underrated. Yeah, game manager, right? But still, I like Kansas City. Miami, Kansas City, we know how tough it is to play in Kansas City. They'll win their games at home, and I think they have enough to win a couple of road games with that offense. So I'm going to go Miami, Kansas City, AFC wild cards. Uh, let's go to the – so here are my six AFC playoff teams. Patriots, Colts, Broncos, Steelers, Dolphins, Chiefs. Let's go to the NFC now, shall we? Let's go to the NFC East. I got to go with Dallas. I know the sexy pick is going to be Philly. I have a feeling Chip Kelly is going to be run out of this league in about two, three years because he's trying to reinvent the wheel. How many quarterbacks is this guy going to bring in, right? And if you're asking me to put my money on Sam Bradford staying healthy, well, you're out of your mind and you're going to be out of money quick because Sam Bradford most likely is not going to stay healthy. They'll probably have to go to Sanchez. I'm not buying into the Eagles. You just release Deshaun Jackson, a guy who is a 1,000-yard receiver in this league. I'm sorry. I, you, I, I didn't like that move. So I don't like the Eagles as much as a lot of people. I'm going to go with Dallas. I think Dallas is going to be one of the better teams in the National Football League this year. So I go with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. NFC North, got to be the Packers. Got to be the Packers. Right, I know they lose Jordy Nelson, but still, um, the Lions are going to be good. Minnesota will be better than seven and nine. The Bears, I think, they have in injuries with their receiving core. What can Cutler do without some of those guys? I think the Bears will struggle this season. Uh, Green Bay in a tough division. I think Green Bay wins it, uh, but you have to go with Green Bay, even though it's a tough division. You have to stick with the Packers. So we'll go with Green Bay. I think Green Bay is the number one seed in the NFC. NFC South. I'm going New Orleans Saints. What a terrible division last year. The Carolina won the division. A 7-8-1 record. Saints finished in second place at 7-9. Falcons will be better than 6-10. Buccaneers. Yeah, Jameis Winston, some growing pains. I don't buy into him being a successful quarterback in this league. New Orleans, they're going to win the division. They're going to be better than 7-9. I, the, know, I know they lose their big tight end. I really like Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think the Saints, I think, they, I think they can win 10, 11 games and win this division. I'm going to go Saints in the NFC South. And in the NFC West, I mean, you still, I got to stick with Seattle. Toughest place to play in the league, maybe outside of Kansas City. Got to go with the Seahawks in this division. They won 12 games last year. They went to the Super Bowl. They're, they're dealing with the holdout of Cam Chancellor. They need him back. I think they'll get him back. Uh, you know, they had Jimmy Graham. I like Seattle still in this division. Cardinals will be better if Carson Palmer can stay healthy. And they still were 11-5 last year. 49ers, they might be a little bit better as well. A lot of people, a lot of people look at the Rams and say they're, they're going to be an improved team, but... I cannot bet against Seattle in the NFC West, so my four division winners in the NFC. Cowboys, Packers, Saints, Seahawks, my wild cards in the NFC. I'm going to go with Detroit. They got in last year. I think they'll get in again this year. And you might find this as a surprise pick, but I think you are going to see three playoff teams 
from the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings are getting in. Adrian Peterson, forget about what he did. What he did was dead wrong, and nobody is giving him a pat on the back for that, nor should we. And we'll, I'll continue to crush him for the child abuse that he, that he did last year. But still, you got to think he's got a chip on his shoulder returning this season, and he's going to be playing with some passion. And I think that's going to go a long way for the Vikings. I, I like Teddy Bridgewater. Vikings are going to the playoffs. They're going to get that wild card spot, I think. So keep an eye on them. The wild card teams in the NFC, Detroit and Minnesota. So you got the Packers, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Lions, and the Vikings. Those are your NFC playoff teams. Now, of course, you get to the playoffs and... What do you have? Well, I got the matchups for you. Let's begin in the AFC. AFC wildcard round. The Denver Broncos will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Denver will beat Kansas City in Denver. Pittsburgh will host the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins run to the playoffs will end. Pittsburgh Steelers will win that game. And in the AFC divisional round, it sets us up for Steelers-Patriots rematch of week one. Antonio Brown was right. We'll see you again. They will come back to New England. There will be more communication issues in the headset. And maybe Tomlin will complain about it after. Maybe he won't. Either way, Patriots will win this one once again. Denver will then beat Indianapolis. I know last year it went the other way in the playoffs. This year it won't. Because remember, remember Peyton last year in that game? Peyton Manning looked terrible last year in the playoffs. Denver, they this year I don't think, um, I, I do not think that they're going to get the first round by. It's the Patriots and the Colts that'll get them. But Denver will. Denver, I think, is going to beat Indy in the divisional round. All right, they're going to go into Indy, and Denver's going to win. Peyton will be better than he was last year in that game. So sets us up for Patriots, Broncos. At Gillette. How do I think that's going to go down? Patriots are going to win it. It could end Peyton Manning's career. Who knows? Keep an eye on that storyline when the season is over. Patriots will beat the Broncos going to the Super Bowl once again. Let's get to the NFC wild card. Seattle over Minnesota. And then I'm going to go Detroit is going to go into New Orleans and upset the Saints. Yes, Detroit's going to upset the Saints. NFC Divisional Round. Green Bay will then beat Detroit in a tough one at Lambeau. And then the Dallas Cowboys. They will show how important that first round bye and the two seed in the NFC will be. Because Seattle will have to go to Dallas. And that's where the home field advantage will come into play. Seattle, if they're not in their own building there at that moment in time, they will not win. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. They lose to Marco Murray. It's a big loss. But guess what? They still get a couple big dogs. And I think Romo here is due. You look at the, the way this season ended last year against Green Bay. Des Bryant, the catch, the no catch. What was it? Dallas this season. I don't want to say destined for a championship, but certainly destined uh to get that first round by, to get that home playoff game against a team like Seattle and beat the Seahawks when the Seahawks can't have that game in their own building. Dallas over Seattle sets us up for an NFC championship game. Cowboys, Green Bay at Lambeau. Rematch of last year's playoff game. And uh, again, you know how that went down. The end of the game, Green Bay wins. They go on 
and Green Bay goes, you know, to Seattle and, and they lose to the Seahawks in the NFC Championship. But now, Green Bay back in the NFC Championship. They get the game at home. I still think the Dallas Cowboys will be a force to be reckoned with. Cowboys with the upset. Though maybe not so much. Just a revenge game. They get back at the Packers. Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. They will play the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 50 in San Fran. The Patriots. The Cowboys. Patriots will be three-point favorites in this game. And the New England Patriots are your Super Bowl 50 champions. Back-to-back. You want my Super Bowl MVP? I'll give it to you. It's not Brady. It's not Gronk. They'll both have a heck of a game. It's going to be Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, your Super Bowl 50 MVP. Why? He's going to have a touchdown reception. He's going to have 100 yards receiving. And get this. Julian Edelman is going to have an interception. Yes, he's going to be playing defense as well when this is all said and done. Making him one of the more special talents in NFL history. Okay? He played defense for the 2011 Patriots when they went to the Super Bowl. Made some big plays, actually, in the AFC Championship against Baltimore that year. Edelman, I have a feeling he's playing some defense this year, too. He'll have an interception and a touchdown catch and 100 yards receiving in the Super Bowl. Julian Edelman, your Super Bowl MVP. The Patriots, your Super Bowl 50 champions. There it is. There's my season prediction. Patriots over the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. And um, it's fun to do that. I like doing that every year, um, given the season predictions. So we'll see how it plays out. But let's get to my picks for the week because picks, picks. Every Friday, five games with the spread, I give them to you. Uh, presented by nobody. But if you'd like to sponsor picks, picks every Friday, five NFL games with the spread throughout the entire NFL season, make sure... You hit me up. Let's give them right now, though. I'm going to begin with the Dolphins. The Dolphins are minus four in Washington. I mentioned the problems the Redskins have. Cousins is going to be the quarterback. I think the Redskins season, it was over. I declared the Redskins season over in the preseason. I mean, look, I just talked about the Texans and how important the quarterback position is in this league. Same thing goes with the Redskins. You know, they're no exception. So Washington has issues. I know it's in Washington, but the Dolphins are a much improved team. I told you the Dolphins are going to the playoffs, and uh, I think that they can go into Washington and beat the Redskins by at least seven. They can beat them by more than four. Dolphins will. I'm going to take Miami at minus four over Washington in Washington. Second game, the Panthers. Carolina Panthers are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Jacksonville uh, Carolina, I don't have them going to the playoffs, but they're good enough to go into Jacksonville and win this game by more than three and a half, and I think they will. So I'm going to take Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers as a three and a half point favorite over the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Game number three, I'm going to go with the Lions. Detroit's going to go into San Diego. I told you I get Detroit as a wild card team. They're going to win their first round matchup in the playoffs. Detroit is a three point dog. In San Diego. Uh, I think Detroit, not only will they cover, they're going to win this game. So you take the three points. You might even want to just take Detroit straight up. But since we're going with the spreads, I'm taking the Lions plus three going into San Diego. That's right. My first three teams in picks picks for week one. 
a road team. So the Lions, as a three-point dog on the road, they will beat the Chargers in San Diego. Game number four. Let's go with the Denver Broncos as a five-point favorite over the Baltimore Ravens. Denver, this one is in Denver. So I think Peyton Manning, early in the season, healthy enough to do some damage offensively and uh, beat the Ravens by at least seven points. I think they'll beat the Ravens by ten. I'll take the Broncos as five-point favorites in this one in Denver over the Ravens. Fifth and final game. It's Monday Night Football. We get two Monday Night games in week one, uh, but this is the early game in Atlanta. Philly's going to Atlanta, and this spread is another sign of everybody being obsessed with the Eagles. I don't see it. I'm not on the same page. I'm not telling you the Falcons are going to go to the playoffs, but in their own building, pumping the fake crowd noise, and come on, they're not going to stop with that. You know why? They shouldn't, because they know everybody's doing it. Everybody's pumping in the fake crowd noise, in, not just in the NFL. In every arena, in every sport, it happens. Live with it. But if you're the Falcons, you don't have to worry about that because everybody's everybody's silent when you have the ball, right? So Falcons are a three-point dog in their own building against the Eagles. I told you I'm not buying into Philly. I think Falcons win the game, so you take them plus three. So picks, picks for this week. Week one, five teams with the spread every Friday. Dolphins minus four. Panthers minus three and a half. Lions plus three. Broncos minus five, and the Falcons plus three. That is Picks Picks for week one. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Get this show anywhere. Podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook, also on Instagram, all forms of social media. And again, enjoy week one in the NFL. Have a great weekend. I'll be back here on Monday to break it all down. Talk to you then.